Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. A batting order that's been swinging for the fences lately goes up against an offense that swings at uh, just about anything. Mississippi State hosting LSU 7 o'clock this evening on Doodle Field, a renewal of one of the SEC West great rivalries, in fact, one of the uh, best in all of college baseball. Let's talk about it here in the doghouse on the Believe Network. I'm your host, David Murray, and yes, it's Friday, an SEC baseball Friday. Uh, I know conference play kicked off last night, again, with Thursday series. In fact, Mississippi State will be doing it next Thursday, starting early against Auburn. But for right now, this weekend, we're still on the usual Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we're playing the usual SEC West rivalry with LSU. Now, once upon a time, this was the rivalry in arguably all of college baseball. Maybe it's lost some of its luster in some senses in recent years, but uh, it has lost none of the fun for Diamond Dog fans, for Tiger fans, and especially when they get together here in the finest ballpark in all college baseball. Arguably one of the finest facilities of any college sport, but that's just a little personal pride speaking on behalf of the Bulldogs there. Regardless, a good crowd expected, obviously. Now, the weather is going to be kind of cool for the Friday evening. Uh, my latest forecast uh, calls for a high somewhere around the high 50s. That ain't very high. Just uh, keep those long sleeves and jackets out for one more night because the weather certainly warms up for the 2 o'clock and 1 o'clock day games to follow. And no rain in the forecast. <laughs> Isn't it nice to have a weekend where we don't have to sit around and ask, will the schedule get adjusted because of weather? Not this time. Nope, all you have to watch for from the skies is falling baseballs, especially when Mississippi State comes up to bat. The Bulldogs are really plugging in the power. You saw it Tuesday evening when they slugged six home runs out against a hapless Tennessee Martin team in a run-ruled game. And uh, as we let off our story going in Gene's page today, uh, in, a, in a season when runs rule, well, it's nice to have a run-ruled game to tune up ahead of an SEC series. However... Coach Chris Lamonis, I don't think he was entirely joking. Yes, he had some humor in his voice, but I think he wanted to make a serious point when he said this team hits too many home runs. Now, okay, no coach will ever say, I don't want my guys to go out there and knock a ball over the fence. Instant offense is the best kind of offense in so many ways. However, what Lamonis was getting to, and as our story in today's edition of the website discusses, is the fact he wants a better balanced offense because, as he said, it seems like eight guys in the lineup are swinging for the fences every time they get up there. Uh, No prize for guessing who the ninth guy, depending on the lineup of that day, is. Okay, it's the shortstop. But uh, (laughs) I say that, Tanner Leggett can knock a ball out of the yard, and who knows if Lane Forsythe ever really got everything into it. Well, never mind in that regard. Lamonis' larger point is simply that State is becoming a little too reliant on the long ball, which is great if you feel you can consistently do it, but uh, LSU is not a team you want to sit around and try to match shots against their much more consistent attack. Let's just compare a couple statistics. Yes, State is up there in in the long balls, but so is LSU, and the Tigers are way better, way better in batting average, on-base percentage, RBI, even slugging percentage they're ahead of Mississippi State because they hit more doubles and triples. That's what Lamonis and Jake Gotro want these dogs to start doing. Get those extra base hits. No, don't turn down the homer if it's there. Put that same swing on it, but don't walk up there thinking, I've got to wait for something fat and drive it over the fence. 
get that hittable pitch early in the count, drive it into a gap, into a corner, run the bases because this team has some speed to work with. Even That's kind of a surprising thing, too. Look at the number of really big bodies compared to recent years that State puts out there in the field. You, know, you recall all those jokes from a certain rival up to the Northwest about uh, how much bigger their team was in State. Uh, funny how size only seemed to matter in the record because Mississippi State certainly came out ahead in those years. Okay, that's another story for another year. But uh, the Bulldogs have gone big this year simply by nature of what the roster has developed into and because it's been the most efficient offense so far but not efficient enough in Lamonis's mind. He wants the on-base average up. He certainly wants a batting average that ranks 13th in the SEC right now, all games for the season. You can't, you can't hope to remotely contend for, for a reasonable NCAA tournament seating, perhaps even for an NCAA tournament bid at this rate. And we'll talk about the RPI in just a minute as well. But he wants a more efficient offense out on the field. And if the homers are there, take them. But look for the extra base hits. In fact, just look for that clutch single when you've got two outs, a couple of runners in scoring position, and you have a chance to either break a game open or to start a rally. If State gets more of that, they don't have to worry about the home runs. They'll still come because those guys are still going to be able to get good swings on it, and they're going to be facing a bunch of power arms in the Tigers, particularly when LSU has to dip in their bullpen. That's assuming you force them to dip into their bullpen by matching scores with them or taking a lead. We talked midweek about State's pitching and how State's got to get more innings and a more efficient innings out of the starting pitchers and then the now taking shape rotation do their job. But quite honestly, the best help that can be given to any of this pitching staff, starter, reliever, closer, you name it, is runs on the bottom line of the scoreboard here at Mississippi State. Put those crooked numbers up, and the pitching can do just about whatever it wants out there with a little bit of comfort, plus the fact that they have a very efficient defense playing behind them. But you got to score, and you can't count on the homer. All right, that sounds utterly silly to say because State's been knocking the ball out, as noted. And in fact, at this point, mathematically, oh, don't you love it when we get into math here? <laughs> Let's not go into what flunked me out of chemical engineering. But uh, State is really struggling to do anything other than home run at this point. Now, they're doing it well, as said, because they're hitting homers at a pace which could, in fact, if they stayed on this somehow, would set a season record, assuming, of course, they get into the postseason. you got to play a few extra games to build it up. But that 1998 record of 97 long balls, it's very much in danger at this point if State can stretch out the schedule. But to stretch out the schedule means getting an instantly bid, and getting a bid is going to depend on a lot more than just getting long balls every game because there are going to be games they simply do not come. So what's the key to getting more balanced offense out there? It looks like in Lamonis's mind, most of the order has taken shape. Uh, may mix and match a little bit with who goes exactly what slot, but it seems like pretty well at least seven of the spots are taken care of pretty much every game. It's those other two places and who plays in center field and who plays at shortstop is pretty much going to settle who bats at either end of the order. Centerfield, of course, being contending for the leadoff job. State's been splitting it between Jess Davis, uh, centerfielder, and first baseman catcher Luke Hancock of late. 
they would rather Hancock swing a little bit further down the order. And then now Drew McGowan, since he's getting back healthy, remember he began the season playing in, in the lineup regularly, though not batting leadoff. Now he's hit first in the order of the last three games. Nothing to show for it in those at-bats, but he finally got his first base hit since, I think, what, February 22nd in the uh, UT Martin game? Well, you take it. Anything that starts snapping you out of that because, again, he's he's had a little bit of a knee issue, and now he's back in speed, literally, so you can play him in center field. As far as picking between the two, you know, C- Coach Lamontis talks about matchups, but they're both left-handers. So, and, and by the way, so is Von Siebert, another guy that he said they're still trying to find a position for him because he's going to be a good ball player. He may, in fact, end up being the heir to Kellum Clark in right field eventually. But do you come back with McGowan a fourth game? Do you let him get comfortable and stay with it? Or do you go back to Jess Davis, who batted leadoff in the Arkansas series, and he's been under SEC season fire in that position. It's just a big guessing game. And as of this Friday morning, I really don't know which way Coach Jake Gotro and Lamonis will decide to go. In fact, they may just swing back and put Hancock back up there since he too is a left-hander. Now you think about it, the best reason to use one of those guys as the leadoff, and of course obviously takes care of your center field, is to get more lefties in the batting order. If you need a right-hander, and Lamonis talks a lot about matchups, you probably take Brad Cumbust, who is your more or less regular left fielder. In fact, that's what uh, Lamonis considers him, even though he's played almost as often in center field as he has left lately. You put him in there to get that right-handed bat and come with somebody else in the left field position. So you can do some mix and match things that way, right and left. I understand the idea of matchups. I certainly agree with it in most cases. But at this point, you just put the guy out there who you think can give you the most offensive help against LSU pitching. That's going to be the decision factor to me, but then I don't get to make that decision, do I? So we'll find out uh, later this evening what they've decided to do with that position. But center field plays in leadoff, whereas at the other end of the order, shortstop figures out who's going to be most often your number nine hole hitter. Is it going to be Tanner Leggett or Lane Forsythe? And uh, Lamont has talked this week on his call-in show about, yeah, that's another matchup type decision, but I don't think he meant matchup the way we do as we write stories or talk on the radio and TV because they're both right-handers. I think it's more a case of, uh, do you want the faster guy? Do you want the more physical guy? The guy who has a chance to put a little pop in the ball, i.e. leg it. A guy who maybe can scratch and claw and get something going, maybe draw a walk in foresight. It, given the choice, I think he would prefer to go with foresight defensively, although leg it is improved there. Okay, let's realistically, they're both pretty much equals defensively, so let's rule that out. It's going to come down to who they watch in batting practice all this week, who they think can go against LSU's starting arms best, never mind that power bullpen that we mentioned, and go from there. Of course, you certainly have the options later in the game to make substitutions purely for defense. It certainly gives you the chance to use a pinch runner and run somebody else out there at shortstop so you've got some flexibility in your order so those situations come up. Bluntly, though, I'm not so concerned about base running until this order proves it can get those clutch singles and doubles and not rely so much on the long ball. 
I would love for them to walk out there tonight and prove me foolish on this and swat four or five balls out of the yard, wreck LSU early, and just coast to a victory. And we'll say, lineups be danged. Let's just stick to the power right now, which once upon a time dominated the sport. And this year, the power has really returned. Now, Tennessee is playing in a league of its own as far as that goes. So, uh, essentially, at this point, uh, second place is the best of the rest award for any offensive statistics. Has State got the potential to do this? Sure. There's, as I mentioned, a bunch of big physical guys, many of them, though, who can run surprisingly well, i.e. Kellum Clark and others, who can get around the bases. Uh, State's also seen some guys make some really clutch base running decisions out there and maybe stretch their luck in some sense, but the aggressiveness has worked out for them. You like to see that when it works, obviously, but even then it puts pressure on defenders to keep thinking, I've got to get to this ball quicker. And sometimes that happens, i.e. in an Arkansas game, that ball may get past an outfielder and things happen in the base running that uh, state just created by being more aggressive and forcing the action. And of course, being baseball, it can blow up on your face and you can get that last out at third base, which is the ultimate sin in baseball. You just never know in that regard until you have an offense that's balanced enough to come at you anyway. State has not done that so far. I don't think any fan out there listening to this would say, no, I would rather see a bunch of slap singles than watch a few balls cross the fence. I get it. It's more exciting. Certainly a lot of fun to write about. But in the big picture, Mississippi State needs to get the balance out there offensively. And that includes you know, taking advantage of how many walks and hit-by-batters, uh, hit-by-pitcher situations they have, where State really has a lot. It's still fascinating that even though State has the second-worst overall batting average in the conference, as mentioned, I think they're second in total at-bats in the conference. How do you how do you measure that? Because if your average is poor, that means you're getting out, and yet somehow you're still getting guys up at the bat, i.e. the walks, the free bases, reaching by error. Those kinds of things kind of distort the stat sheet in those regards. But you know what? If you keep getting enough chances in this game, you should be able to make something happen. And if LSU should walk in here and get a little lax in the pitching or maybe an umpire that favors the type of pitching State does as opposed to the Tigers, hey, it could happen. Right, and I could win the lottery, which is awful hard to do since I don't buy tickets. Nah, another point. Anyway, it could happen, but the main thing being you've got to be consistent, you've got to make things happen, and then if the long balls show up, well, everybody jump up and cheer, watch the scoreboard change, and wait for the next batter to step in and try to do the same thing or keep that rally going. So as said, it's an offense that's become really reliant on power, which is a risky thing against an offense that has done just about any type of hitting, uh, average, power, speed, you name it. And yet the Tigers and the Bulldogs show up with identical SEC records at four and five. That's the fun about this weekend, too. Somebody is going to walk into next week over 500 in the conference. Somebody's going to be under it. Somebody may end up being way under it because it is not inconceivable that somebody could get swept this weekend. And that could be midseason fatal at this point of the season in that all-important, yes, I'm going to bring it up, NCAA Ratings Power Index, the beloved RPI. 
Still waiting for Friday morning's RPIs to be released with any games through Thursday. SEC had a couple going on, of course, last night, and a few other conferences starting early as well. However, the state started the week at 73, which was not bad at all because they began the previous week at 112. 39-point jump. Love it. You think, we're on the right track. Then they stomp UT Martin, a very bad team. And that combined with a bunch of other results, all of a sudden State's RPI is 83. I know, believe me, I know there are fans out there frustrated as heck with how do you explain this RPI stuff sometimes. Well, it's hard to. I don't have the formula in front of me, i.e. I don't have it at all, so forget that. Um, But you know it is a factor of record the record of who you've beat, the record of who you lost, the record of who they've played, been beat and lost, and all sorts of other mathematical machinations, which spits out in a computer a bunch of numbers. To be completely candid, RPI in early April is not a huge deal in and of itself because so many schools may have played a weak conference schedule. Some conferences out there are only one weekend in the schedule, in fact, as we update each Monday the RPI of all states' opponents, either who they've played or will be playing, as well as the rest of the SEC. However, that said, when you're 83 in the first week of April, you're a little nervous. You've got to improve that RPI very quickly and very dramatically if you're going to feel any kind of comfort factor going into May in NCAA tournament selection time. 83 is probably outside the range unless you have a bunch of high-profile wins, which Mississippi State right now does not. They have one win over Texas Tech, but the the Red Raiders, by the way, have dropped number 20. I mean, they were a top-10 team starting the season. They've had a little rough fetch here. And their RPI is dropping off, which in turn hurts State's RPI. Our Alabama has dropped several points. Where is LSU? Well, going into the weekend, uh, as of Thursday night, they were 45. Uh, one spot down, in fact, from the previous day. That, that's how much things flex sometimes. Um, now, in State's credit, of course, is they've, um, they are, they've played number three Georgia with one win, Boy, that Saturday game is still just just great because if you pull that one off, you feel so much better about yourself. Tennessee, of course, is number one. Nobody's going to argue about that, and they deserve to be number one, RPI or not. Uh, other SEC teams of note, Florida is 17th. I'm still surprised they're a little bit high, and maybe that's the counter to Mississippi State dropping so much after a win because Florida State – got swept and still somehow barely budged in the RPI. I think that's more a reflection of strength of schedule because they've already played one game against their in-state rival, Florida State, as well. And, uh, of course, Georgia being very good has pushed them up. But that's the vagaries of the RPI and why you can't put too much stock in it, but you can't ignore it either. By the way, Arkansas has improved number 26, and next week's opponent, Auburn, is 28. So let's see. If you take the series against both LSU and Auburn, your RPI is going to be in pretty good shape in a couple of weeks. But you've got to win the series. Mississippi State, realistically, in these six conference games, I don't care what combination, you've got to win at least three, and you really, truly need to win four, whether it's sweeping one and just taking one, whatever, doesn't matter. Take two against both, does not matter. 
win four of these next six SEC I'm sorry, win, yes, getting my math all fouled up there, win four of these next six SEC games, and your RPI is in pretty good shape going into the series against Ole Miss, who, by the way, is number 27 at the moment. I'm sorry, 22. Um, that's after a loss to Southern Mississippi, who is up in 16 and feeling pretty good about their own postseason situation as far as hosting. Oh, please, Lord, don't send the dogs back to Hattiesburg. 2017 was stressful enough, not to mention wet enough. Okay, personal venting right there. At this point, Mississippi State can't be too proud about anything in the tournament. They've got to go out and put the wins together now, improve the RPI, improve the SEC record. Come out of this weekend, a game over 500 at least, or better in the SEC, and you start to build that April momentum, which gives you a real shot at not just securing that bid, but getting back into a pretty good seating again, at least number two. And, you know, possibly if you really get on a roll here, Okay, that's that's getting a little bit ahead of myself for a team that's still trying to figure out, do you stay with the current rotation, as we discussed this week? And by the way, as of right now, I still have not seen the release officially putting the rotation together. I expect it to come out at some point, maybe even after I finish recording this show. So you stay tuned for that, as well as staying tuned to this. But offense, to me, looks like the key this weekend. And, oh yeah, the uh, bloody statistics that um, we, we will update pretty much every week, starting with the Georgia series, which seems like a good starting point because that began SEC play and all the non-conference games included since then. State in the losses has batted 189. In the victories has batted 322. Coincidence? I think not. And it's not just power in that average. You're getting those wins, too, by the singles, the doubles, even scoring on errors and mistakes. That's how you put together a balanced offense. That's how you put together an attack that can really support this pitching staff and let them blossom in their own right. That's how you get back into NCAA tournament situation here in early April. Anyway, that's our doghouse for this morning. And Mississippi State again, 7 o'clock this evening, hosting their old rivals LSU on Duty Noble Field. Again, cool weather, but no rain, so come on out to the ballpark and join us there. Uh, afternoon game Saturday, I will probably miss a good bit of that because I'll be at spring football practice talking to Mike Leach following this um, third week of camp as they race towards next weekend's spring game, uh, sort of climactic event, and see how the contact practice going, update injuries, depth chart, all sorts of fun and things as a football because – they're both sports going on, and we got to take care of business here in the doghouse. This is your host, David Murray. Enjoyed talking to you again, and we'll be talking from Duty Noble Field sometime this weekend, uh, certainly filing our stories also on both Bulldog baseball and Mississippi State football. So stay tuned here on the Believe Network to the doghouse. I'm David Murray. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.